Mona Lisa Harding is the homeschooling mother of 10 children who range in age from 25 to 3. Six of her children have gone to college by the age of 12. She is the mother of the country's youngest female physician and the country's youngest architect registered in the American Institute of Architecture. Their family was featured on the Today Show earlier this year, and two of their children were interviewed on CNN. You can see a clip of that interview at their website, collegeby12.com. Mona Lisa and her husband, Kip, recently published an electronic journal, an ebook about their family's experience. It can be downloaded at collegeby12.com. I'm so pleased that they took the time to talk with me for this interview on Parenting Reimagined. This is Parenting Reimagined, a place where the conversation goes beyond what we do as parents, and we take the time to consider what parenting teaches us, how it transforms us, and what being parents means for the landscape of our inner lives. I am Sherry Walling. Would you begin by telling me a little bit about your family? I'm married. I married my high school sweetheart. We've been married 26 years. We'll be 27 this December. Our oldest is 25, and we started homeschooling in 1998. Our oldest daughter went um, all the way through third grade to a private school, and at that point, we decided that we missed her a lot. We didn't like after-school homework, and we just wanted to be with her and with our other kids and, you know, be um, the ones that were responsible for their education, so we brought them all home. And um, we've been homeschooling ever since, and we've had great accelerated results. And our oldest um, started a dual enrollment classes at a community college when she was 12. Soon after she did that, the second daughter wanted to do the same. And then pretty soon, third, fourth, and fifth, they all kind of expected to do the same. And here we are, six kids later. And it's the normal for us to um, kind of get um, high school done early at home and and, you know, step right into college classroom by the age of 12. Our three boys were actually 11 when they started, and I'm not sure why. I guess they just got the hang of it and had good examples and lots of teachers around. So we're up to number six now. So you decided to begin homeschooling because you you missed your daughter and you weren't necessarily happy with the way that school was set up for her. Right, right. She, you know, had a lot of homework, uh, kind of repetitive work and things she wasn't so interested in. And we, we really just felt like it was our job to be doing that. We we felt a burden, like that was part of our responsibility. You know, as far as raising her, we know that kids grow up real fast and we don't have them for a long time. And, and we just wanted to um, cherish every moment with, with our kids. And so um, that was part of it, was bringing them home. And what have been some of the benefits of early college entrance um, or beginning uh, college classes at 12? Well, um, they've been able to, I guess you could say, not waste a lot of time in the high school years. They've been able to, to choose uh, at a young age what they wanted to focus in, which kept them motivated. So it was, it was, it was easier, I think, that had they gone to four years of traditional high school that would have been a lot more work and pushing, you know, do your homework, do your homework, you need to study, that kind of thing. But the way we were doing it, it was just leading into, hey, if you finish these high school subjects, you get to go to college and study what you want to study. 
And so it was more of an exciting adventure. Like they couldn't wait to get there and we couldn't hold them back. I mean, they, they were, they were leading the way, you know, just um, by their excitement. So it was easier that way. I think, I think that's the big mm-hmm. benefit. It's a little more effortless doing it the way we're doing it. So all of your children, when they got to that point, had a pretty clear sense of what they wanted to study. Not necessarily all of them. Our oldest was just really good in math. She didn't declare she wanted to be a mathematician. But um, after we talked about her, she did decide she wanted to take lots and lots of math classes because it kind of came natural to her. She did get a bachelor's in math, and one of her masters is actually in engineering. So she has sort of changed, but yet, of course, you know, math helped her with the engineering degree. So that took a little more time. But the second child did... Um, declare at age 10 that she wanted to be an architect. And then our third daughter was about 11 when she knew she wanted to be a physician. And then our fourth child, he kind of decided he wanted to maybe be in film production, but we didn't live near Los Angeles, so we weren't sure how to get him into film production. He ended up taking an English degree and then switching to computer science. So you might say that he was all over the map, but even now, we can see that English degree didn't hurt him. It, it you know, it, it has helped him. And now that he's in the computers, he's still interested in film production. He's developed more of a love for computers. So not all of our kids have stuck to the one thing that they've declared, but it certainly hasn't uh, hurt them at all pursuing those um, higher degrees. What have been some of the challenges of? Your children going to college, you know, in a different age group than than most other children who are taking those classes? Well, um, interestingly, it wasn't so much the socialization aspect, like you might think, the adjustment. I think that part, they were very natural. Being in a homeschool environment, they were used to dealing with adults and people of different ages. So um, that part was an easy transition, and they have been received very well in the college environment. Um, we haven't had any real bad negative experiences. I think the biggest challenge was the logistics of continuing to homeschool the younger ones and having to drive the older ones to class back and forth, picking them up in the middle of the day. That's a challenge for me, you know, how to get everything done in the day and financing it all, you know, applying for scholarships and loans and grants. You know, that's something that um, takes a lot of my time, you know, figuring out if they need, they have enough money to go to summer school or not. And, so the, the practical pieces of how to get everyone where they need to be. It's funny you bring up the financing. I was talking with some friends earlier today about the fact that I was going to get to interview you. And I said, oh, what should I ask her? And they said, ask her how she's paying for all of this. Yes, most of our kids have at least half scholarships and then they get some grants. The way we look at it is the cost of college, I think it doubles every seven years. And so we figure... You know, we've chosen to have all these kids. It's great that they're getting it done as soon as possible as college costs rise. And um, the one, our daughter that went uh, through med school, she decided to join the Navy, and she was on the scholarship for that. And and, um, and that was a real blessing that she decided to do that because I don't know how we would have afforded that. So, And then our other, our oldest daughter, she got a master's, and she was a research, um, a graduate student. So, the, you know, they have figured out ways to, to get some of their schooling paid for, which which has been great. Obviously, you have thought a lot about education and, and how to think outside the box and meet your children's needs. I wonder if you would just summarize a few ideas that have really guided the way that you teach and educate your kids. 
sure. I'll, I'll have to be honest. The ideas that we have now have developed just from experience. We didn't we didn't have a master plan. You know, we didn't say we're going to have a bunch of kids and 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 we're going to create college by twelve. It was not it at all. It came from um, the need of having a child who was ready to accelerate to the next level. She happened to be twelve. But we need, you know, I, I felt like she needed some higher math classes. And my husband was the visionary and he saw that she could do it. And he assured me to just go for it. You know, the worst thing that could happen is she wouldn't do well and we'd have to bring her home. So, um, fear, you know, we, we had to get past that fear of failure. So as she did it and as we've seen our six kids do it, now we realize, wow, kids can do amazing things if the parents will get out of the way and allow them to. And how much easier it is this way by letting them figure out what they want to study in college. Like I said, it's so much easier to just support a a motivated kid than to push them to do your homework, do your homework. You know, read that boring book that the state of wherever you live says you have to read. I mean, it's so much easier to allow them to study what they want. And once they get to college, they're picking the classes that are in their major which is what they have chosen, and that has been easier. So now our ideas are why aren't kids in, you know, other school settings allowed to really just study what they want? Um, We're not talking about let them do nothing all day. We're talking about genuinely letting them study what interests them, and from there they're going to be reading and writing, and, and they can supplement here and there with other subjects, but the majority of what they want to do they should be able to choose because they will stay motivated and excited. And so um, we just wish that kids everywhere would have that chance. I'm picturing, you know, I've never been to your house, but sort of this house full of, of kids and everybody's reading a different book or working on something different, but, but each child is doing something that they're really interested in. Has it been challenging to be able to support the interests of 10 different kids kind of simultaneously? Thankfully, you know, they're not all the same age. It's about, you know, two and a half years difference. So as each one becomes an independent learner, then I can focus um, my energy on the next one. And um, right now, um, I'm mostly focused on my daughter who's taking the ACT this Saturday. She's 10. So we're preparing her for that. That's a huge milestone for her. And she's excited about it. So my energy is really poured into her and then my eight-year-old who's just about uh, become that independent reader where she's going to take off. When I see that huge power curve, you know, that learning curve shoots way up once they can read independently because then it's just all about taking her to the library and let her get stacks and stacks of books on whatever she wants and we just see their vocabulary improving, their writing skills improving once they're just devouring books. So, those are the kind of the two in the middle that um, require most of my teaching energy. The ones above, you know, from my sixth child above, they're all kind of posting right now. They're doing, um, you know, the ones that are in college, they know what they need to do. They can see the tutor on campus when they need to, you know, if, if older kids, they can help some of the younger ones. So that that's not, it's kind of minimal effort. It's mostly, like I said, just getting them where they need to go. Logistics, make sure they have clean clothes and shoes <laughs> and get their hair cut. You know, just the other thing. <laughs> part is mainly focused on um, my 10-year-old and my 8-year-old at this point. 
So you've kind of identified that age period as the time when maybe they need you most most hands-on in your kitchen. Right. And even the one that's preparing for the ACT, um, this afternoon um, she was reviewing with an older sibling. So um, then it's not so much hands-on for me when I have the help available. I use it. You know, when I can say, hey, big brother, can you help your sister? You've taken this exam before familiar to you, you can help her. And so they were tutored too by older siblings. So I don't, you know, they don't complain because they know this is how it's done in our house. You know, we help the younger ones. And um, and then she will soon be independent herself and then we'll move on to the next one. And, and uh, so then my focus will shift. Talking with you about it, it all sounds like really logical. And I find myself thinking like, why doesn't everybody do this? Or why doesn't education work this way more broadly? Uh, (laughs) Do you have any thoughts about that? I'll tell you, I'll tell you, we have been programmed to think if you're eight, you're in the third grade. If you're 10, you know, 11, sixth grade. We're just, we were raised that way. And, and, and we just have to think outside. It's just, it's age, age segregation. And it's, it's, we need to not think that way. We need to look at a child's ability, you know, wherever they are socially and whatever they like to play with is different from where they are academically. So you kind of make the distinction between social and emotional development and academic development. So you can have a a six-year-old still into sweet baby dolls and and little kid things, but but then also able to do long division. Right, right. And when her emotional maturity catches up and for us, you know, we find that by 11 or 12, they can handle going into a classroom. They're not going to, um, because they've seen their oldest siblings do it, you know, they're not going to burst out in tears and run out crying. <laughs> they're going to just be able to sit in class and, and listen to the lecture and they know how to take notes and, you know, um, then come home and discuss class material. And if they need a little help from older siblings, we can provide that. But um, 11 or 12, we just see a big jump in that emotional maturity. How has your religious faith guided the way that you parent? Has that been important in guiding the way that you mother your kids? Yes, I mentioned at the beginning um, feeling a burden and, and feeling almost like it was a calling, like like God was saying, you know, I gave you these kids and I gave them to you, not to the state, and you should you are responsible. And so I, that, I, I take that seriously. I, I don't think that um, I wasn't comfortable... Um, with my kids being in a classroom all day, being raised by someone else, even though it was a Christian school. They weren't in public school. They were in a Christian school. And so, you know, someone might say, well, religiously, they should have been fine, but still feeling like it was my job, and, and I didn't want to give that up to someone else. And so, so that's part of it, just feeling like it was a calling. And then now we kind of share that idea of a calling in our kids' lives. We let our kids know that, they have a purpose in their life, and they need to try and find what that is. And we believe in prayer, and, and we, you know, we teach them to pray and ask God, what is my purpose in life? And, and as I shared, in some cases, it was revealed to them. You know, it's like, hey, I'm 10, and I know I want to be an architect. Or I'm 11, and I just know that I need to be a doctor. That is my purpose in life. And, and I mean, these girls that I mentioned are now 23 and 22, and they've always known that that's what they were called to do, and I'm thankful for that. And, you know, and then I have the other kids that have um, changed majors, and, and that's okay, and, and in some ways they're still seeking their purpose, but they have that faith that they're going down the right path. So, so our faith is very important to us.
Sounds like the idea of, of calling or finding your purpose is, is important. You know, you're, you're trusting in your kid's ability to, to do that process with God or to sort of listen to God's movement in them. Sure. And to, to respond. Right, right. Okay. What if, have there been any, any low points, any moments where you thought, oh, I don't want to do this anymore or this is too hard or, you know, sure. have there been struggles that have gone along with, with homeschooling and having a large family and, and homeschooling in this way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, every day is, is um, you know, it's work. It's really work. And one, one um, I guess, I, well, I don't know if I'll call it a low point as much as a, a challenge, a, a questioning of, God, are we doing the right thing? And that came when our daughter was, um, our second daughter was 15, and she was wanting to go to an architecture program, and it was an hour away from school. She wanted to go to Auburn University, and it was the best one around. And, you know, us pleading with her, are you sure you don't want to do any other major around here in town? You know, and, and she was just pleading with us because she just knew that was what she was called to do. She needed to go to the architecture program. So we had to rearrange our lives in the sense where we had to find someone that she could stay with, that we could trust, that we knew. And then her older sister, Hannah, was 17, and she actually transferred universities to go with her to this university so she could kind of be a guardian, um, a, you know, sort of a guardian to her. And, you know, and I would travel back and forth, bring them home for the weekends. And it was it was hard, logistics again. That's always been the challenge for us. It was logistics, trying to figure out how to let her attend the program she wanted, but yet she was too young to live in the dorms and we had to, you know, get an apartment, get a guardian kind of situation for her. And then thinking, wow, this is crazy. How can we keep this up? And and it all worked out. We ended up moving somewhere and she got older, of course, and, and things got a little easier as she got older. But there was a time there where we almost felt like we had to, we wanted to force her to change her major. And, I think that would have been a disaster. I think it would have been harder to make a child take classes in college that she didn't want to take, and you know, for changing her ma- making her change her major. So we dealt with the hardship of her living far away and trying to make a you know a safe place for her to live, and it was um, inconvenient for us. But I think we've been rewarded, and she has been rewarded because she stuck to it. And you know, now she's the youngest member of the. AIA, and she's just passionate about her architecture, and I'm just glad we worked through that tough time, and um, and it was because of her age, but uh, we got through it. It sounds like your children have pretty important relationships with each other. You know, the fact that, that one of your daughters would even transfer schools to help out her sister. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really remarkable. Sure, it was a lot um, for us to ask of her. Um, but I guess she was willing as an older sibling, knowing that, um, you know, we'd do it for her, her siblings would do it for her. And I hope that our, our kids are learning that from each other. You know, we will, we'll try and support each other any way we can. I think that's, that's also one of the neat things about the larger families that I've been around is that the siblings, you know, take on really helpful caretaking roles of their younger siblings. And, and then there's there's really kind of a community or a tribe that the kids share together, which, you know, doesn't happen maybe in families where there are two or three kids. Yeah, it gives kids a sense of worth. They know that they're needed um, and appreciated. And, um, 
and all of our each each child's success. The whole family is excited because it's you know it's been a group effort, and so every time we see a child graduate or accomplish something, you know we're all excited because it's it's just great for the whole family. That's the only way I can explain it. It's like we're a team. Would you say a little bit about your educational background? My my husband and I met in high school, and he um. He joined the Army right away, and we got married right out of high school, and I started having babies right away. And um, he uh, did uh, college the hard way. He was full-time military, going to class in the evenings, um, you know, through GI Bill and tuition assistance. Finally got his bachelor's degree at 25. And I, I just went to one year of nursing school from LPN, and I did that um, pregnant with my third. It was very, very hard. That's the hard way to do school with kids. And, and that's that's all I got done was one year. And just recently I I, I went back for uh for trying to uh, pursue an R N degree and um did that part time and, and I'm not taking any classes this semester just because there's so much going on with the kids. And um now with um us being on the Today Show, um our our book is we're working on that and getting that published. And so I guess you could say work has crowded out school. And, and I'm actually okay with that because at this point in my life, my priority is that my kids are educated. Someday I may go back, but um, I'm very content at this moment just making sure that my kids are successful. And, uh, you know, there'll be time for me. For now, this is very fulfilling. My husband is still in school. He's working on a doctorate degree, and he has done it the hard way, and so he shares that with our kids. It's so much easier to you know, get your bachelor's by the time you're 15, 16, 17, and then when you want to start a family, you know, that part of your life will be behind you. And our second daughter is the only one that's married. She was able to get married at 19, and she was still in school. She was already, you know, working as a professional. And so I, I just think that that's the easier way to do it than trying to work through school full-time and kids, that's, that's a lot harder. Well, it sounds like you have earned an honorary degree in childhood <laughs> education or teaching or something like yeah. that. I mean, I have an interest, you know. I, I, I would love to um, uh, maybe someday be like a labor and delivery nurse, but we'll see. I just, um, you know, you have to set your priorities, and, and right now that's on the back burner, and my kids are on the front burner, all of them. <laughs> It really is a very spectacular story to as someone who didn't always have time to f- to finish her educational goals for you to be such a champion of that for your children is is really remarkable. I appreciate that. Thank you. Is there a word of encouragement or wisdom that you find yourself offering to other families, whether they're homeschooling families or families that are just you know, trying to think differently about how to meet their kids' needs. What does it sort of boil down to for you? You know what? My husband is here, and like I said, he really is visionary behind this. I'm if he answers that. Sure. Okay. Sure, I'd be happy to speak with him. Sure. Yeah, I just like to be an encouragement to the dads because, you know, it's it's hard. A lot, of, a lot of dads work, of course, and, you know, with everything going on and uh, a lot of moms are out of the home now and, and uh, they they need encouragement too, and they want to be involved in their kids' lives, and and they and but setting that vision really helps them. And it doesn't have to be college by twelve, but just believing in your kids that they can accelerate their learning and and finding out what they want to do in life, and then just getting out of the way. We've seen it where 
you have to tell your child to turn off the light at night because they're studying too much because they're having a good time on what they're learning. And you can have that too. You just have to um, find that uh, interest in your child and then feed that fire. And so, uh, but dads have a have a good way of building that into the family too, and, and they have a very important role. And anyway, I just for the, any dads that are listening, know that they can they can be a big part of this whole thing. I so appreciate you you joining our conversation and you and you saying that. I think there is something so valuable about about children, obviously having both parents involved, but even both parents really involved in their education. And I. Yeah. That seems like a neat a neat part of what you and your wife have done. Thank you. And, you know, just today, I'm so glad I didn't miss out. I was I'm teaching Mariana to read, my wife and I, and she said she's trying to read the word imagine, and she says, imagine And so we've been joking all day, imagine this or imagine that. <laughs> and those fun things, you know, uh, it's, it's just a treasure to have and to do that with them. So how are you managing to be a big part of your of your children's schooling and their lives and also work on a doctorate degree and I, I'm oh. guessing also work work for money somewhere too? Yes, yeah, it is. Uh, it's a juggling balls all the time. So a couple of days out of the week, I'm able to telecommute. So on my breaks and on my lunch, I can teach a kid to read, put them on my knee, uh, multitask. You know, I have all my failings at the same time and sometimes uh, you drop a ball here and there, but you just if everyone is chasing after the same goal in the family, it's just it's a lot of fun, and it, it all seems to work out. You, you do a lot of steps in faith, not knowing how it's going to come together exactly, but it always seems to work itself out. Knowing that you're all in it together, at least, and you'll figure it out together. That's right. Yeah, we laugh to, laugh together and cry together. Well, anything um, that the, either of you would like to add that I maybe didn't ask you about or anything that feels unfinished in our conversation? Well, uh, we we definitely, uh, you know, we love homeschooling. And um, I guess if anyone out there hears this and if they're, you know, maybe have thought about it and they are apprehensive, they don't know where to even begin, um, you know, we just encourage them to go to collegeby12.com. They can read our our journal just kind of shares our, our whole journey so far, and then we're available for phone consulting too. And um, and we just we just think homeschooling is such a blessing. There's so much freedom in it, and kids just it's like a greenhouse effect. You know, they just grow and um, they just blossom in that kind of environment. And and that that brings me to another thought. It our kids are not geniuses, they're not any smarter than anybody else's kids, they're just average intelligence, um, they're just being raised in a really wonderful environment. We are so blessed that um, homeschooling has come to us and we've been able to do it. And so, um, you know, I just want to tell people out there, they can do it, you know, um, anybody can do this, and um, we're here to help if they want to get in contact with us. Great. Well, thanks to both of you for for taking the time to to be part of this conversation. And I will um, look forward to sort of sharing the conversation and sharing what you're doing with with my podcast listeners. Okay, great. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Parenting Reimagined. This conversation reminded me of a Mark Twain quote. 
I have never let my schooling interfere with my education. I hope this conversation challenged you to think about education and perhaps take a second look at what your kids are capable of. Thanks for joining me, and I will be back next week with another interview with another interesting parent here on Parenting Reimagined. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parenting Reimagined. If you like what you heard, visit our website, parentingreimagined.org, and sign up for our mailing list. You can also like us on Facebook. Thanks for taking the time to be part of this community of parents who's committed to learning the deeper lessons of parenting. 